Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. Market View on Money FM 89.3. All right, it is time for Market View, and JP Ong is standing by on the phone lines working from home uh, like a good worker that he is. Uh, welcome back to uh, your workday afternoon, JP Ong. How are the markets doing today? Well, taking a look at the market today, Tim, and a good, good Thursday afternoon to all our listeners. We are seeing that the Straits Times Index is, again, marginally in the red. In fact, the local benchmark is trending lower, but we're only down by about two and a quarter points. So that's less than 0.1% in the red. And just sliding just a little bit, inching down to about 2,667. So you're seeing the Straits Times Index just firming up around this 2,660 uh, to 2,670 level uh, over the last couple of trading days. Value turnover, as you mentioned, also not inspiring at this point of day. We're only seeing about 567 million Singapore dollars in total trades changing hands, similar to what we saw yesterday. Mm-hmm. But we've also seen that the, that appetite tends to pick up just a little bit towards the end of the day. So we'll check in on that also and see whether or not trading activity picks up uh, in the last hour and a half of trading today. Um, the, uh, the tail of the tape today between winners and losers, almost even, almost uh, with just a slight edge to the losing team, unfortunately, but only 160 stocks reaching trust in the red, and there are 157 that are actually gaining ground in today's session. So we juxtapose and compare how Singapore is doing against the rest of the region. It's also a bit of a, a, bit of a mixed bag for most markets, uh, most markets also. Um, we are seeing a slight pullback for the Nikkei 225 in Japan today. The Japanese benchmark down by about 87 points, so that's 0.4% in the red. The ASX 200 in Australia also trading about 0.9% lower. Australia today revealed that the jobless rate or the unemployment rate there was worse than actually expected in the month of May. More than 250,000 um, Australians apparently lost their jobs in that particular month, and they saw this, the uh, unemployment rate rise to their highest in about 19 and a half years. 7.1%, wow. I believe, is where it sits. So that you can understand why you can understand why traders down under got the wind knocked out of them, right? The South Korean Kospi today also trading just down by about three points. So again, losses rather muted for the for the benchmark out in Seoul. The Taiwan weighted stock exchange up by about 3.8%. And we're seeing markets actually mainland China doing fairly well today. The Shanghai Composite up by about two points. The Shenzhen Bourse also trading about 37 points higher. There is a move right now in mainland China to try and and uh, and uh, loosen some of the tight trading restrictions in Shenzhen that will allow for daily moves up or down of about 20%, which is adding to uh, which which makes things more flexible and actually allows um, a pri- uh, allows share prices in the, on the Shenzhen Bourse at least to move more freely. And I think that's also giving the Shenzhen Bourse just a little bit more oomph when you compare it to the other markets. The Hang Seng today also down by about. Uh, by just about the two, about 0.2 percent in on a day where we're, where we are we're, are are tracking also the debut of JD.com, their shares trading out on the Hang Seng so far today. But again, this is all uh, we're still seeing markets pretty much playing, uh, just trying to balance these two factors forward against moving up. On one hand, you do have markets continuing to try and price in a possible V-shaped recovery in the economy in in the global economy. Um, they are also weighing all of this new stimulus that's coming from some of these uh, monetary and fiscal policymakers across the world. But we're also seeing the rise of uh, virus cases in the U.S. and China as both economies start to reopen and start to relax some of these social restriction measures. Some um, analysts and some investment managers 
out in Japan have pointed out that this is going to be what people are going to watch out for. Mm-hmm. But you will have to accept that there's going to be a rise in cases if you start to reopen the economy. But do you shut back down because of this? Um, uh, these are the questions that policymakers will have to 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 face. And is there a trade-off between um, shutting down the economy to make sure that you can control the spread of the virus, or uh, letting the economy actually operate under more strict uh, more strict uh, social distancing measures and public health measures um, to to at least uh, to at least mitigate uh, mitigate any uh, secondary blowback that could damage the global economy. This is actually what the markets are also weighing. And keep in mind that we're coming off a very strong start to June. So profit takers could just simply be nibbling at things at the moment because though markets are trending lower and look fairly mixed, um, the losses are nothing to write home about, to be honest. With the straight stamp index, now you're seeing that trading practically flat. They're just down by about a point so far. All right, uh, JP, there's something about uh, a hydrogen-powered uh, data center uh, that, uh, yeah. that, they're, that they're exploring in Singapore between Keppel and Mitsubishi. Uh, what's that all about? Well, this is just basically uh, the, uh, the challenge or, uh, or, or, or folks at Keppel and Mitsubishi Heavy to answer how are we going to power these data centers. With uh, the work-from-home movement, mm-hmm. uh, we have seen a lot of these industrial REITs actually see a lot of uh, interest actually flock towards them because as we've seen people working from home, We've seen uh, the demand for electronic services and uh, the demand for, and the online presence of people who are cooped up at home pretty much for the because of the COVID-19 pandemic. We've seen demand for data. We've seen demand for broadband and uh, and online services actually rise. And because of that, you do need to provide more bandwidth. And also, you might need to you might see also uh, more demand for the services of data centers out there. But now the question is, if there is a growing demand for data centers, how are you going to power these particular data centers you might put up? So Keppel Data Centers and Mitsubishi Heavy Industries have signed a memorandum of understanding to try and explore together and team up to explore the implementation of hydrogen-powered tri-generation plant concepts for data centers. One of the ideas also is, uh, you know, there are a lot of ideas right now for how to construct data centers of the future, and one of them actually is a possible floating data center project here in Singapore, the Keppel Data Centers is currently pursuing. So now they're also trying to figure out, well, how are we going to power these data centers moving forward? Do we use the traditional methods mm-hmm. or can we use other forms of energy out there? And apparently what they're trying to study right now is they're exploring whether or not they can put in up a hydrogen infrastructure uh, as, a, as a way to power and also cool some of these data centers. When you're running all these data centers and servers at these massive scales, you also need to worry about how you're going to cool them down, right? So hydrogen infrastructure and hydrogen power could, be, could factor into this, but they are studying this currently and seeing whether or not hydrogen can be used to power these uh, particular uh, centers. The other thing also that they have to, um, uh, have to factor in also is that this will also help them also reduce their ca- carbon footprint because the combustion of hydrogen does not produce greenhouse gas emissions, and uh, and uh, and this is going to factor into whether or not they will use this. But again, they are currently studying this particular uh, this potential source for energy for these uh, data centers. And uh, at the moment, Mitsubishi Heavy Industries Managing Director Yoshiyuki Hanasawa said that it will be a key energy carrier for in the global efforts towards decarbonization. But again, a lot needs to be studied because hydrogen, though it is a very promising. Uh, a source of uh, potential green energy in the future. It is a fairly combustible um, uh, you know, source of energy as well. So there's a lot of things to be considered, but uh, it's, uh, it's, it's very interesting to see that Keppel, at least, 
and Mitsubishi Heavy are looking at this and looking at this together. Okay, uh, another development uh, coming out of Hong Kong is, of course, Festival Walk. That's a very popular shopping mall that many people know about. Uh, it was kind of destroyed during those uh, uh, protests uh, late last year. In fact, uh, that's where the Christmas tree was also burned. A very uh, th- That video went viral online. But now they're getting some sort of uh, an insurance payout. Tell us more about this. All right. So, uh, f- uh, well, well, these attacks actually, or the uh, or the damage at least that they suffered to the uh, Festival Walk Mall in Hong Kong. This is we're talking about Maple Tree North Asia Commercial Trust here. Well, they have received an interim payment from their insurers to cover for some of these damages you mentioned, Tim. It's going to be a partial payment at the moment, without prejudice. That will see Maple Tree North Asia Commercial Trust receive about forty-five million Hong Kong dollars, or roughly eight point one million Singapore dollars, in relation to these estimated claims. From their insurer. Mm-hmm. Now, they said that the assessment for the full sum is still ongoing at the moment, and they're going to continue to pursue claims for both property damage and also revenue loss. Apparently, they have insurance to cover potential revenue loss because of the interruption to business operations from the protests, but also from the COVID-19 pandemic that also lighted Hong Kong earlier this year and continues to also weigh on the, Hong Kong, on, on, on the financial center. So the manager of Maple Tree North Asia Commercial Trust has added that an assessment of the full sum can be recovered from from these insurance claims, mm-hmm. um, but they but they but they will have to continue to talk, uh, hold talks with the insurers to see if they can receive that. But nevertheless, they're seeing about 8.1 million Singapore dollars that might go some ways in helping them recoup some of the losses and perhaps to repair some of the damages that they that the Festival Walk Mall actually sustained. Remember, this is a major uh, asset of Maple Tree North Asia Commercial Trust. I believe. They derive more than 50% of the revenues actually from Hong Kong and a significant chunk of that also from the Festival Walk Mall. So this is a very key asset for them to try and at least recoup losses on. And uh, hopefully insurers can can come through and they can actually come to an agreement that will see them uh, at least cushion the blow or soften the blow uh, from all of these headwinds that they face. It was a brand new mall when I was living in Hong Kong like two decades ago. Well, slightly less than two. <laughs> but apparently it's a lot of people, too. <laughs> well, it, it is one of those, you know, if you live in that part of mm-hmm. Hong Kong. It was about two stops away from where I was living back then. So it was the oh. biggest mall. So especially during the summertime when it's hot and humid, that's where you want to hang out. Um, uh, so we'll <laughs> well, you know how small apartments are in Hong Kong. You need to get that is to, true. To hang oh, out absolutely. Else. Uh, another thing that's uh, quite personal. I couldn't sleep last night after I heard about uh, Aunt Jemima, Uncle Ben's, Mrs. Butterworth. They're all kind of retiring the image um, because of the Black Lives Movement, of course, and the stereotypes that these uh, images on these products uh, bring about. But for me, okay, it's personal. Aunt Jemima was my go-to pancake, frozen waffle, and syrup uh, compared to Ego because I really thought it was uh, a, a, a woman who developed this recipe compared to Ego. <laughs> um, and it's kind of devastating to know the actual history of it. But in, in terms of business, how would something like this, an image that has been around for more than a century, impact a, a brand? I'm actually surprised, Tim, that uh, you're you're using Aunt Jemima syrup and not your not Canadian maple syrup. Whatever you eat. There was an Aunt Jemima <laughs> butter flavored pancake syrup that was awesome. Wow. 
<laughs> I, apparently we didn't get those when I was growing up in Manila. Nevertheless, let's get back into the story here. Um, yes, it is the end of an era, and some say a very racially sensitive, uh, a very racially insensitive era. Actually, Pepsi has announced today that they are going to change the name and brand image of their Aunt Jemima pancake mix and syrup. And, and mind you, I also was a have also used Aunt Jemima syrup before uh, my pancakes. Um, they are dropping this mascot that's been criticized for racial for racist history. And it's also a 130-year-old brand. I didn't realize mm. it was this old, Tim. It features an African-American woman, for some of our listeners who are not familiar with Aunt Jemima, um, that's named after a character from the 19th century minstrels. And they feel that this is actually an offensive caricature of racial stereotypes depicting African-American women, similar to Uncle Ben's, uh, I believe it's a rice brand, mm. which is named after a Texas rice farmer. They are dropping these because these, they feel that these are racially insensitive stereotypes that tend to, correct, uh, that tend to um, make fun or mock uh, mock these African-American stereotypes that they have in the U.S. And it's part of the treatment of African... It's, it's also part of this movement for, for corporate America to look at, themselves, look, look at themselves in the mirror and figure out whether or not they're doing enough to be sensitive towards the plight of African-Americans, especially uh, the, given the ongoing protests and outrage over the death of George Floyd, the right. African-American man from, uh, at the hands of the, of the Minneapolis police. Um, what's interesting, though, also is you are dropping these brands that have some significant, uh, that do carry some significant goodwill value. In case in point, we both still remember Aunt Jemima. We still, you, you yourself have said, this is my go-to uh, syrup. And they're, and no, I really thought she was this mother who <laughs> created these food that I like. Oh, no, absolutely. And then that story, too, I mean, there is some significant goodwill that you might be giving up there. But mm. nevertheless, this is part of the changing times, I guess, out in the United States as people there in the society reflect and tries to uh, and reflect on whether or not these stereotypes still have a place in, 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 the, in their society. I will say this, though. Um, this could actually play well with some of the retail investors. Now, we have talked about the surge in retail investors out in the United States during the, uh, during the last couple of weeks. A lot of day traders and a lot of retail investors getting on this app called Robinhood, mm-hmm. um, which uh, is becoming very popular for these smaller retail traders out in the United States, and they track where some of this investment has gone. Apparently, according to Bloomberg Quint, they've actually tracked what's been going on on Robinhood investors. And one of the, one of the trends that's been happening right now is that a lot of investors are now starting to favor businesses that favor or serve black and underrepresented communities in the U.S. They, the likes of Harvard Bancorp, which is apparently a bank that, uh, that caters mostly to African-American clients, and also a company called Urban One. So if, they, if investors are becoming more socially conscious and actually saying, you know what, I want to put my money uh, towards companies that actually value um, African-American rights, actually value minority rights, this move from Pepsi Cola to try and retire these two particular brands, I mean, and uh, and and uh, by Pepsi Cola that is Encon Agra, which uh, which uh, Encon Agra, um, they, you know, this could be viewed favorably by some of these retail investors saying, okay, you're finally doing the right thing. You know what? I think it's it's fair to invest in you guys because we feel that you are you align with our ethical standards and our stances on racial justice. Now, um, this could actually prove to be a long-term win actually for Pepsi Cola if mm. they prove that they are reading the uh, social currents and the changes in the United States correctly. But also, I mean, it, it does, it, to talk about the, the sociological and racial aspect of these two particular brands, I mean, we could spend another two hours talking about that right now. Well, there. it's also consumers these days are, want to buy products that uh, align with their values, right? 
the one personal thing I want to say is that growing up, I was very afraid of the Quaker mascot or Quaker as they call it in the Philippines. <laughs> I had to eat this every morning growing up, and I was very, very terrified with that. Image. He had a very stern and judging yeah, exactly. stare, didn't he? Exactly. <laughs> I, that... I, I think I, I know. Yeah, and that's actually my, my well, that was actually my one of my father's favorite um, oat brands, actually. And I can, I, yeah, I, I can see where it's coming from. I also did, I, I, I did approach the Quaker Oats tin, actually. A little bit of trepidation. <laughs> I still, I still eat it now, but you know, when when it comes to yeah, that image uh, is terrifying for me mm-hmm. as uh, when I was growing up. Anyway, uh, JP, <laughs> thank you very much for that. Uh, we'll hear from you again on prime time uh, this afternoon. JP Ong joining us here for Market on the Workday Afternoon. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SBH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.